Welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a podcast about all things geek. We've all seen some of our favorite comic series come to an end unceremoniously, but what if you had the power to bring one back for one more issue? Which one would you pick? Today we're going over which comics we'd like back for one more go-around. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Alright, let's go. So, for today we're imagining that if we got a chance to pick out any comic series that has ended or was cancelled, that we could get the band back together for for just one more issue. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. I'm Tommy Smithereens. I'm Clifton. Okay, so we are doing this round-robin style, so we acknowledge that's already a bit of a cheat, because we're each saying three comic series that we want, not one more series. Um, so anyway, so okay, so let's get started. So this was a difficult, I thought it'd be a lot easier to come out with this um, particular topic just because of, you know, my love of comics and such. But I find it very difficult to uh, come up with them because comic books likes to rehash ideas and they do it quite frequently, but it's hard to keep up as to when they revisit something. But the one that jumps out the most to me is Planetary by Warren Ellis and um, Cassady. John Cassidy. Cassidy. John Cassidy. I love that book. It was to me, it was very short due to its publication history. You never knew when the issue was dropping. Um, was it only I believe it was only 27 issues over the course of what? Six years or some absurd amount of years that it shouldn't have been that short to um, publish such a um, short run. But I loved it. I would love that they revisit that universe. I think it came out of Wildstorm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I can't. I couldn't get enough of the books, the uh, the art. So, hey, l- l- let me ask you a question, really. So, clue us in a little bit more on this. So, is w- was this book canceled, or did it, or did it actually like wrap up? Like, like, what's the scenario here? Like, was it just something you love that you just want back for one more issue, or was there like a like a like a plot point in there that didn't get tied up that you want to see like like brought back? Oh, there's several plot points that were brought up that never got brought back. Just just because of the nature of the characters. We, I never see them um, push the uh, boundaries of how far the characters would go in that regard, because hell, I, I never really, I mean, you have characters that have been around for decades with thousands of issues based upon their history and what they've done. But with Planetary, you just get that. Nothing more, nothing um, revisited. When it finally ended, in which they gave us a final issue that wrapped up the major storyline, there were other storylines that went on as well, as well as the fact of it pushed it to a new chapter within the book. Um, the characters wrapped up their main storyline, but didn't mean their lives ended. Um, they continued to live another day. In fact, their numbers grew. Um, they vanquished the great evil that they tried to vanquish. But who's to say that there was another issue or another problem that wouldn't arise as a result of it? I was totally engrossed with the book. Loved every minute of it. Even took forever. I mean, it took like battle chases forever. <laughs> and it's publication history, you know. Speaking of that, Tommy, I was looking just to see, just to, to have the, the the dates right. It says that uh, it had an initial preview in September of 1998 in um, Gen 13, number 33, and then in issue six of C23, whatever that book was. Mm-hmm. And then the series ran for 27 issues, not counting, I guess, um, like Planetary Batman or Planetary JLA, yes, or Planetary uh, Authority. Right, for yes. 27 issues oh, from, right. from April 1999 to October 2009. 10 years. Yeah, it took 10 years for 27 issues. Yeah, so that's wow. absurd, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so Frank, go, go over that one more time. So the 27 issues includes like the Batman one shot and, and no, the authority, no. or that's not in there? That's not in no, there. No, it's not. That doesn't okay, include, no. no, because like the, the JLA planetary is not really, it's not really set with it. It's kind of like a, an Elseworlds for it. JLA uh, Planetary Authority and Batman Authority is definitely part of the continuity of a book, but it's not, those issues aren't counted. As like the 27 produced between between Warren Ellis and John Cassidy. I agree with Tommy. It's one of those things where, you know, that, what's, what's really cool about that book is like, you'll get, you know, each issue is a different, is different archetypal stuff. So you'll have one issue that's based on superheroes and one issue that's like based on like mystical characters. Um, There's like a John Constantine archetype. But sometimes you'll get stuff like there's a John Woo issue. Yes. Early oh, on. That sounds great. Like a high concept yeah. action issue. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, 
yeah, there's a lot of that kind of stuff where he basically, you know, each issue opens up a world that you know, quote unquote, from like watching that stuff, watching John Woo movies or watching um, or reading superhero comics or reading Vertigo or whatever. And or, you know, at one point, you know, they dip their toe into Marvel as archetype. So it's one of the things where I agree with Tommy that, that that's definitely a book that could have another issue, if not more of a series, because each issue into itself was kind of like, here's the universe. That you, it's kind of like, you know, any, like having a different comic book, like a team up issue where, you know, full well, like Spider-Man's universe is completely different than say, I don't know, guardians of the galaxy or black Panther or whatever, or in some, like there's a doc Savage archetype in it. Doc brass. God, doc kind of, brass. Yeah, yeah. Doc brass is awesome. So, you know, it's one of those things where I agree with Tommy. It would be really, really cool to see another in- issue of planetary, but I don't think I would want to stop with just one. So oh, no, you know, I agree, but it, to me, it's the revisit of the that universe to say just to flesh it out. I would, you're right. I would not stop with just one, but to me, it was an incredible series. I mean, it got nominated for an Eisner Award what twice, if not three times within its um short issue run. Right. Um, it was an amazing book, and on top of that, it paid homage to everything concerning comics and became something else on its own in doing that. Okay. And all this in the small window. Of twenty-seven issues. Yep. Let me let me ask you to do uh, a, a little bit of kind of teeing up what what the hook of the book is, just for like for anybody listening that doesn't know what planetary is at all. Like, what sort of what sort of the concept here? Okay, if I'm not mistaken, the concept is basically um, an alternate universe in which certain things are stunted within that universe um, based upon a obscure power or. Um, for lack of a term, villainy. Out comes this um, individual who um, is what they call a boom baby. In this universe, there's a group of individuals with a set task born on the beginning of the century. What I mean by that is this person was born on January 1st, 1900. And mm-hmm. as a result of being born that, I said boom baby. That's um, <laughs> that's static. Yeah, I was, say, I was like, wait a yeah, that, yeah. yeah, that's 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 the Dakota universe, right? Yeah, <laughs> that is the Dakota universe. But basically, they're give their these unique individuals are given the task unbeknownst to them, in which they discover over time. There are other individuals with that same um, birth date, in which they do other things. But we're specifically concentrating on one particular individual within Planetary. Now, um, within his, um, <sighs> I'm trying. I'm trying to be vague as anything because I want people to. Um, well, this is. I mean, you're giving not to cut you off, but you're. I mean, Tommy, you're giving more like the the the. You're peeling back layers. I mean, basically, it was they were what the archaeologists of the impossible. Wasn't that what it was? Yeah, it was the archaeologists of impossible. But basically, yeah, you're right. I am peeling layers because I'm looking at the individual Elijah Snow. Right, is what the um, book is concerning or all about. But basically, he was an archaeologist of the impossible in which what he did was he collected certain things that were lost to their universe. And that's what opened the door to the possibility of showing homage to different things concerning comics. Is that right. kind of right, Frank? Yeah, because basically, like a lot of times it was it was the, the one that one of the catchphrases for the book was it's a world. It's a weird world. Let's keep it that way. And basically, each, they were you know, it was it was uh, Elijah Snow is your entry character. He's the one that's recruited to be part of the planetary group. Um, Chiquita Wagner and then uh, the drummer are the three that they're like the two characters that make up the partnership of the three of them. And basically, they explore within their universe all of these various, you know, like I said, like the you know the, the John Woo stuff or the or the you know the Doc Brass or the the Doc Savage stuff and on and on. The, uh, every issue is the three of them basically encountering like a new. A weird phenomenon or a weird artifact or something from that, you know, within their universe that was bleeding into it, right? Right, Tommy? Yeah, it would be so much pop culture stuff such as Godzilla, Tarzan, mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes. Uh, I love Doc, Doc Savage, as well as maybe Thor, Hulk, Fantastic Four. But it was an amalgamation of such things that made it even more interesting. Right. Okay. Without having to step on those trademarks. I mean, it was, it's like you knew what they were talking about without saying what they were talking about. Yeah, you could. I mean, you could basically anything that you could think of that was that was in within the realm of like fiction or pop culture could pop up in this book. Okay, yeah. So that's that's what I was gonna. It sounds kind of like a stew, like whatever you got, like whatever mm-hmm. you want, whatever you want to do for this month, just throw it in. Like we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna do. I don't know, like this, like the samurai movie. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know, or something right. like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. No, that sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. But that's my pick is, uh, give me one more. Give me issue 28 of planetary base. Okay. No, <laughs> and, it's a good pick. It, and it fits their erratic publishing because hell wait 10 <laughs> years. You, it, sure. it wouldn't be a surprise. They could just jump right into it right. and no one would notice. Right. Yeah. Good new issue. It could be right on schedule. Yeah. They yeah. could be working on it for all we know. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. All right. Who wants to go next? I'll go next. Okay. So I was thinking about this and, and I agree with Tommy. I thought it'd be a lot easier when we decided we were talking about possible topics for this week. I'm like, oh, that should be no problem. There's a million show, you know, a million shows, a million comics that I've enjoyed over the years. And I'm like, oh, it'd be cool if that came back. But that was the problem I kept running into. It was like, well, if it came back, then you know, it's not the same thing as a, a single issue <laughs> wrapping yeah. stuff up, you know, and then a lot of times with stuff that did wrap up, I'm like, well, I like the wrap up. I like the ending. I like it. Even if it was, you know, the issue before was the big battle or dealing with the big bad or whatever. And then the next issue was an epilogue. I enjoyed the epilogue. So it took a while. And then I had one that I, I knew that I wanted to do. And I knew it was the ending. I thought it was, was not what it was. Like it, like the series goes on for eight more issues, but that particular plot thread never got picked up. So I didn't want to go with that one. So okay. the one that I chose was um, Secret Six, Volume Three, Number Thirty Six is the last issue of that run, and it leads into um, to uh, New Fifty Two and Flashpoint. Okay. So it was one of those things where. So this is this is not to to sorry to cut you off. So this okay. is not the relaunch that they did. No. In in New Fifty Two. Okay. No. Got no, it. This is the one right before it. This is the team is like Ragdoll and Catman, uh, Deadshot, uh, Jeanette. I love Ragdoll. Yeah, yeah. How, could you, how could you not? <laughs> Jeanette, Scandal, Bane, um, and I think that's it. Yeah, I okay. think that's the group. But basically, they they'd set up. The, I'm not. I won't spoil it for you. But if, if you've seen um, Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay, which is kind of like um, kind of an adaptation of the storyline where the where the Secret Six go to hell. Basically, the idea being that if there's a card, you know, that's a get out of hell free card, you know, you basically can, can redeem it to get someone who's died to come back, for, you know. And um, they set up the storyline in issues, the issues, a couple issues before. It's like 33 or 31 to 33. And then the last three issues are 34, 5, and 6. Well, Gail Simone and uh, Jim Caliafori are the ones mm-hmm. that are the, the main ones that worked on this, this, this these issues. And what I what, the reason I, I thought about it, and I think I've talked about it with Tommy before, is when this when the the Secret Six go to hell and they're all you know they're trying to figure out who they're going to resurrect with this card. Um, there's a moment in it where Bane has sort of been on this trajectory since since issue one of this third volume of sort of getting to a point where he's kind of redeeming himself and he's going to get to the point where he's not on Venom and he's not really like you know because they sort of Gail Simone sort of plays him as being like really internally conflicted about the fact that he's a slave to being on venom right yes yeah so he's trying to wean himself off he's being sort of a father figure to scandal even though you know scandal's dad is you know vandal savage you know he's trying to basically help her out and so they make this choice in hell about what they're going to do well at one point he mentions offhandedly to like these you know these these demonic characters um well, you know, surely I, I've, I've found a way to redeem myself. I'm being a better person. And they, they laugh at him and they tell him, oh, <laughs> you're already damned. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> All the stuff that you've been doing for like three years of this book is like, eh, it's, it's nonsense. Why are you even bothering? All the other stuff yes. won't, won't equate, right? Mm-hmm. And you get to like the last issue and you can see that he's made this turn in his head of like, screw it. I'm going back to villainy. And they basically decide they're going to they're gonna try and ba- break Batman again, but this time they're going to do it. He's going to have the six do it by taking out, like, you know, the rest of the Bat family, like Azrael and Robin and Batgirl. Well, it, it blows up in their face because it's around the time of Dick Grayson, Batman. All these heroes show up and it ends with them, you know, with Bane getting locked up. Well, I'd want an issue 37 because, and, and while I, you know, there's no real way to know, I always thought that, you know, for most of the stories you read, whether it's like Faust or any of those type of, you know, let's make a deal with the devil type things. The devil never plays honestly with you. Right. Right. So I'd always have the thought of like, maybe this is just something they said to Bane was screw with him. <laughs> ah, okay. just, to, just to take him out the running for, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Just to take him off the dig, basically take him off his path and put him back to being, you know, put him basically back to being a villain, quote unquote. Right. I mean, it's a it's a book about mostly villains anyway. So why you know? But I'm saying that's my thing is like I always wanted to see 
even an epilogue bit. And it's one of those things that, that because of uh, Flashpoint and because of New 52, it totally derailed all of the plans and all the stuff that was going on, all the momentum in this book. When it, it could have easily been a book that could have gone on, like the Green Lantern stuff that really wasn't touched by that, by Flashpoint or the Batman franchise stuff that wasn't touched by Flashpoint. There's no reason why Secret Six couldn't have kept its own little corner of the universe and not been affected. But, right. Yeah. And when it came back, like it, it, it sort of like left this stuff alone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a totally different book. I mean, yeah, not, that, it's, not, not that that version of Secret Six is bad. It's just completely different. No, I mean, it was a funny relaunch. I remember, though, like mm-hmm. it seemed it seemed really out of place in the new yeah. 52. It's it seemed like like kind of like a relic that they were bringing back. Not not. To, I mean, not that it was that old or anything like I mean, by that time. Right. It was it had only been out of print, like what, maybe three years. Yeah. I mean, I the, thing about, say? the thing about that was the fact that like the characters and like, there's some characters that obviously like Catman and some of the other more popular characters do cross, you know, basically make that over into the, the newer, the new 52 uh, secret six. But, right. but you know, there's a mystery about who some of the characters are when that's a reveal. It's kind of like, okay, but you know, I, I didn't need that character to be ever, you know, at all what that character, you know, the, well, I don't want to spoil stuff for people because you know, that's not what we're here for tonight. But the idea that, you know, it's, it, it didn't have, I mean, it had a, a similar feel, but it, like I said, the, the, the having to stop or having to, it felt very abrupt. Like it just got canceled to be canceled because they had to shove it, you know, the new 52 and flashpoint stuff was, was where they were going. So, right. Yeah. That's, the, that's my first choice would be, I would definitely go with, with the uh, secret six volume three, number 37. No, it was a fun book. I remember it. And, you know, and Frank, like, like we've all talked like, like over the years and everything, how we think that that book is kind of crucial as far as like, like being like the Bane resurgence that the character on un- like underwent oh, yeah. after that, where like suddenly the character was taken seriously again. I mean, you, you and I have talked, Zach, about the fact that when Bane's first introduced in, in the Chuck Dixon stuff and Nightfall and all that, I mean, he's very much not to get, again, I'm surprised we're, we're, we're mentioning this character as much as we are, or maybe than I am. He's very much an evil Doc Savage when he first is introduced. Yeah. You know, he's very much like mind and his body. You know, he's, he's using these, you know, not he's using venom to basically make himself stronger. But at the same time, he's still got a, you know, he's got a crew and this crew is very similar to Doc Savage. He's got a mind, you know, he's very intelligent. He's got a plan of how he's going to take out Batman. And then all of a sudden it sort of goes away from all that. And he's just, he's a, he's a muscle head with, with who looks like a luchador with, with venom. Right. But yeah, Gail, you know, Gail Simone starts to put him back on the path of being more than more like what he started out as. And it was just a shame that it had to be derailed by, I mean, I would also argue if you, another book that, that helps do that is, um, is the Gotham Knights by Devin Grace and stuff. If you haven't mm. read that, a lot of, a lot of that is because around the same time of all this stuff, but right before it, there was, there was a, a slight push or a slight hint of the fact that, um, Thomas Wayne had spent some time down in Santa Prisca. Oh, uh, okay. And that Bane might be Bane Wayne. Right. Which, yeah. <laughs> which is an odd idea. <laughs> but it was definitely an idea that was, you know, in that book especially. So you have you have a certain nobility start to emerge there as well. Yeah. So, no, I remember it was it was always a very, very cool series and it had kind of like a suicide squad feel, but wasn't like it was right. like you know it, it was similar in a sense that it, it was it was a bad guy book, right? Right, and and I think and I think the fact that also like Deadshot was a big player in it mm-hmm. also like like really kind of made it very very tough to distinguish from Suicide Squad. Um, but no, I just think what I liked about that book too is that the roster would change, sure, from time yeah. to time and everything. Yeah. And there was um, if I'm not mistaken, so like John Ostrander did a couple of fill in issues over there, and I think that there was like a Deadshot like origin issue. Yeah, it's around the time of Blackest Night. Like he comes in and writes some of that stuff because you have villains coming back from Bell Rave and come back from the dead, and it, it's sort of a uh, it's like a one shot, I think, about Suicide Squad, I believe. That or all I know is you're right right around that time Ostrander did some stuff, and it definitely has that um, that pedigree of being of the Ostrander Suicide Squad stuff for sure. Yeah, no, it's a great issue. It's one of my favorite issues in that run. Uh, you know, as, as well as also like the cover of that issue, which I could picture right now, is maybe like one of my favorite drawings of Deadshot ever. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? We'll right. post it on the website, you know? Sure. Um, but no, I mean, a lot of really cool stuff. And I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm shocked that we didn't talk about Catman that much in this. I mean, who, who's really, I think, kind of like the anchor of the book. Oh, yeah. You know, but well, again, um, again, again, it's one of the, if, you, if you're looking at characters that Gail Simone de- definitely like sort of took out of a, of 
you know, out of, out of a joke pile, out of a rubbish bin, and basically, you know, put some attention and care and, and some polish on Catman's the other one because his prior to that he had been in um, the Phil Hester Green Arrow stuff, and he was kind of like a joke at that point. Right? Was that when he was like really overweight and, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. And then Gale, Gale and Villains United and all that stuff basically put a lot of work into making Catman to be, you know, what yeah. he is right now. So in and, and his in his Batman animated series appearance, like resembles nothing <laughs> right. of, of like of of like really like either version of him in the book at all. Like he's yeah. like he's just he's just like a, a guy in a suit. Yeah. <laughs> like running a cult. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's uh, it's. You know who's not even named Catman in 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 the episode, but he's named Thomas Blake, which is which right. is Catman in the sure. comics. So, no, okay, that's my choice. Good picks, good Thanks. picks. Planetary and Secret Six. I like it. All right, Cliffy, what do you got? Uh, mine's also a DC one that was interrupted by some event changes, and that is Gotham Central, <laughs> which we've talked a lot about on the yeah, show before, yeah, yeah. I believe. Yes. Just quick synopsis for the new people. Gotham Central was basically like Hill Street Blues, but in Gotham City. So the premise was, what was it like to be just a normal cop in Batman City? Dealing with the, you know, the same villains that Batman deals with, but on the street level, like by the book. Right. And uh, it ran 40 issues, but the last handful of issues were around the time that the Infinite Crisis big event was going on. So it went from being like a street-level like police procedural comic to being <laughs> embroiled in a huge cosmic yeah, event yeah. at the end, which was definitely not what that book was about. <laughs> and I mean, I, if I really wanted something, like some good stuff came out of the end of that, uh, which I'll get into, but I would just say that like I would like an ending more in the spirit of how the book started than than what it got wrapped up in. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with you a thousand percent on this. It, it, like it's the, such a bizarre finale that I think is <laughs> is I like Infinite Crisis. I really do. Right, you too. But, Me too. But, but but it's one of the. It's like that's one of the things that I have that I never like really quite forgave that <laughs> event about. Was that like is that it it it's wrapped up Gotham central in this really, really strange way. Right. Well, well I love the fact, I mean, about that, I mean, again, like, we're going to spoil a bunch of stuff tonight because we're talking about various things, but one of the things I love is like one of the Gotham detectives kills an Aquaman villain. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so biz- like, again, it's such a bizarre moment, but like it, it's, it's echoed in the actual issue. I think issue one or two where, where he just, it's, it's the fisherman. Yeah. <laughs> And they get to, you know, they get into it and he shoots him. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> so what, what has always struck me about that book? I mean, this is one of my favorite books of all time. It really is. It re- really is. But what struck me about that series, and I love it for this, is that it was able to be a book about Gotham City cops that didn't have Gordon. Right. Because, right. because again, it came out in a, in, in a time where. Uh, it was after the officer down event where Jim mm-hmm. Gordon gets shot and essentially retires from the force. So, so Jim Gordon's not the commissioner. There's a commissioner named Michael Akins, right? Uh, in this book. So, it do- so it doesn't have commissioner Gordon, um, outside of an issue or two and, and no Bullock Bullock's like yeah. in a story arc, right? Yeah. And not like those two guys are not in, I mean, it, you get a lot of cool, like Montoya stuff. It's a right. very, very important book for, for the Montoya character. Right. And the, the, one of the big things out of the end of it is that it does transition her to her turn is the question. Yeah. Yes. Which does come out of the final issues right before infinite crisis. Yes. But isn't, isn't like Bullock, a, a, a cautionary tale in that book. Like he's yeah. done something that he's gotten himself in trouble for. And therefore like everyone sort of, Everyone sort of respects him and still, you know, cares about him and, and loves him as a person. But for whatever reason, it's like, don't be like Bullock. Yeah. Don't end up like Bullock. Well, the thing, so like I brought up Officer Down really quick. And the, and the thing that gets me about that book, because like Gotham Central was this book that I, that um, wasn't really selling quite up to standards that they had hoped. Right. Mm-hmm. But it was also a book that kind of got like, like every year it gets a little bit more popular. Like it's selling more now from what I've heard in interviews than it ever did when it was coming out new on the shelves. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but the thing is like officer down never gets mentioned. 
an officer down is kind of like a really important, like, like precursor to that series. Right. Because it sets up, like I said, like why Jim Gordon's not in it. Right. Right. And why, like why Jim Gordon is in the, in the situation he's in, in the first issue. But it's also, it's, it's very important as to why Bullock is the cautionary tale that you're talking about in Gotham central. Like that all spins out of officer down also. <laughs> right. You know? So yes, no, I, 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 I'm sure we've done it in past episodes, but I highly recommend any listener <laughs> out there that has not done it. Pick up Gotham central and try and track down officer down also. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anything else in there though? Like, I mean, God, one of my favorite Joker stories of all time is in that, is in that run too. It re- oh God. I love Gotham central. I love how creepy, um, Mr. Freeze was. I mean, don't yeah. be wrong. Is is I understand that he's a photo of Batman and such, but to have, so go get someone with the ice gun and actually use it on people and watch them break when they fall. Yeah. It yeah. took it to yeah, it took it to a whole nother level of how the hell would you fight something like that without Batman? Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Does some cool stuff with the bat signal too. Like as a set piece, you know, and and, and kind of introduces a a character that that's she she's like a temp at the police at, at the uh central at Gotham Central at the precinct and it's they, they talk about how she's a civilian technically like she's not a cop and she's the only one that has the keys to the bat signal yeah. so that there so that there's a little <laughs> bit of a of, of um separation between the police like using batman right it's a civilian that's activating it right oh, does that yeah. make sense yeah she's a great character stacy i think her name was if I, you know but she's the gina of um Gotham Central from yes, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, basically. Uh, She's a civilian <laughs> liaison. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. No, a lot of great, a lot of great characters there. And um uh, and yeah, I mean, written this is a, f- a funny uh the creative team was interesting for this. So this was Greg Rucka and Ed Brubaker with Michael Lark on art for the most part. I think like Jock did a couple did an arc or two or something but they but they basically like Brubaker was in, was in charge of I think the the night shift of of cops yeah it sounds about right? right and Rucka was in charge of the day shift right so like they would each kind of trade arcs back and forth and then every every couple of arcs like like every cycle right so like Rucka would do an arc and then Brubaker would do an arc and then after that cycle they would do an arc together right that was co-written by both of them which I thought was was really kind of cool and they apparently like the way that they broke it down was they they separated it by like page count they're like all right i'm gonna i'm doing all the all the montoya stuff you're doing all the the all the detective driver stuff i'll take this scene you take that scene and basically whoever whoever turned in their stuff last it was their job to kind of stitch all of those scenes together into like into an issue right to to, mm-hmm. to craft like all the connective stuff is that making sense you guys you guys get what i'm saying Mm-hmm. And basically, and like, and it was like Brubaker always. He was like, Ruck always beat me <laughs> getting mm. his stuff in before I did. So it was like, Brubaker was like, I always had to do that. <laughs> yeah. Love the book. So, uh, okay. So I'm going to go for my first one. I'm going to say uh, Superior Foes of Spider Man. Right. So okay, this was, right. this went for 17 issues and this book did get a proper ending. Like, like it wrapped up. Right. This wasn't this wasn't a, a situation where the the book got canceled and like the rug got pulled out from under Nick Spencer, who was writing this and Steve Lieber was on art. Like he actually got to end the series, but it came out at a time where there was it was kind of a bizarre period in the Spider-Man book. So this is when. Dr. Octopus and Peter Parker had like a Freaky Friday thing and Doc Ock's brain <laughs> was right, in he Peter's, took over body. Peter's body. Yeah. 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 So. This is a fun book, like very much in the vein of Secret Six and everything. It was a bad guy book. It's this was uh sort of the C level, if you could even call them that, mm-hmm. <laughs> level of Spider-Man villain. So it was Boomerang, it was Beetle, um, Shocker, Overdrive, Speed Demon, and they were like the Sinister Six, but there was only five of them. Mm, right. Right. And it was just such a great book. So it had like that Nick Spencer like like kind of humor in it. And like one of my favorite moments in there is there's a moment where they're debating whether or not they should call themselves the secrets, uh, the, um, the sinister six again. 
And they're like, there's just five of us. Like we can't be the, we can't be the sinister six. And then one of them has the idea like, no, it's perfect. Right. Cause then they're going to be fighting the five of us and everybody's going to be like, Oh man, like where's the sixth one? What's going to happen? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the reason I say this book though, is like, I would have liked to see this group go up against like, like the real Spider-Man one time <laughs> at right. least, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's, but like we, we do, we do see some heroes in this book and everything, but we don't really get like, they never fight Peter Parker, Spider-Man, which I always thought was just kind of like uh, an unfortunate timing thing of, of, of um, when this book came out and, and like bits of it get tied, get brought back. Cause Nick Spencer's on amazing Spider-Man now. So at least boomerang, gets used from time to time. So it gets kind of like a nod here and there, but, um, but it's never quite exactly superior foes, uh, like issue 18 or anything like that. So, right. Right. Yeah. So that's my pick. Cool. Very nice. All right. So, all right, Tommy, we're back to you then. Number two. Okay. Um, yeah, which, which again (laughs) was hard because, uh, I had to think, I don't like thinking. Um, (laughs) It's overrated. It is. It's very much overrated. <laughs> My second choice was from a one shot in which I loved a lot. In fact, Frank showed it to me because I didn't know this existed. So he brought yeah. it to my attention. Okay. And afterwards it was like, well, damn, that's it. It was Superboy's Legion. Okay. The two-parter. Um, the two-parter. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, you gave it to me in a one shot, which they combined it right. together. And I read it for the first time. This is Mark Farmer and Alan Davis's alternate universe in which Kal-El, instead of coming to the 20th century, winds up in the 30th century. Yep. And as a result of it, this is his new beginning into the DC universe into, instead of our current timeline. Right. I thought it was an introduction to an alternate world and, that I wanted to visit more. And on top of that, Mark Farmer and Alan Davis have done an incredible amount of stuff in the past. I've loved their Fantastic Four work. I love their Excalibur work. Hell, they did the nail. Mm-hmm. The list goes oh, on yeah. and on as to how much stuff they've done that I've enjoyed. Uh, it ends almost like here's a taste and <laughs> right. that's it. Yes. <laughs> and, and it highlights everything I love about the Legion. It includes all types of characters and brings in the past of what we know Superman to be, except into a a thousand year future. Right. It just dipped its toe (laughs) in what it could have become. I would have liked to see more of it crafted up. Now, I don't want to get to the specifics of what goes on, but basically it's just Superman starting on the 30th century raised by RJ Brand as opposed to the Kents. RJ Brand being the guy who forms the Legion. Yes. And you see uh, uh, Superboy beginning. I mean, to me, it it begs the question, ultimately, would the Legion have fallen if they knew nothing, completely nothing of Superboy? And Superboy as a character itself, could he be that same inspiration a thousand years in the future with them never knowing he existed, you know? Right, because traditionally, they see his exploits in the 20th century, and then they're like, oh, well, he does all this stuff as as a teenager, and then he does all this stuff as Superman. And therefore, you know, a thousand years in the future, they decide we want to be like him and eventually invite him to join their superhero club. And yeah, and that's the legion that we've come to know and love of over these years. Right. But we've taken them totally out of the equation and still invested them into the same group that inspired him, but what never, but well, not inspired him, but they were inspired by, but never knowing he existed. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting what if that I, that I enjoyed for just two issues. But they never visit it. It's not even like with another nail, which they, right, which mm-hmm. is the uh, sequel, sequel to the nail, you know. Okay. The other thing, the other thing I like about that is the fact that it's one of those. It's like, oh, that's cool. It's a cool idea to put Superboy, you know, in a thousand years in the future and have him. That's where he starts. That's his starting point. It's also you, you know, you also sort of have a, a moment of, wait a minute. So that means Superman wasn't around for anything that's gone a thousand years in the in the past. In as the well. past. As and well, that, yes, and that and that definitely affects how things play out. Okay, huh. so yeah, Inter- when did, this was like in the nineties. Was that when this came out? 
I think this um, came out uh, 2010, 2011, oh, wow. I want to believe. Yeah, it's, it's oh, old. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, it's a good one. And this this didn't touch um, when Jeff Johns was sort of doing like like his Legion of Superheroes stuff, and he was, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Like, he was bringing back the idea that, that Clark was part of the Legion when he was growing up, right? Yes, that's, that's like, yeah. yeah, that stuff comes all out of, um, out of, um, what does that come out of? Because you have Superman and the Legion of Superheroes, and basically, it's kind of a a, a re a re um, a rebranding with basically going back to what had happened before. Okay. So yeah, yeah. February and March of two thousand one is when. It yeah, two thousand one. Yeah, I was about to say that two thousand one. I made a mistake. Yeah. yeah. It's a great, it's a great looking book. It's a lot of fun. You know, if you like the concept at all, highly recommend that one too. Yeah, yeah. you might. You guys might have to loan me this one. I got to check it out. It sounds cool. It's very cool. Yeah. You yeah. guys have sold me on it. Okay, so uh, all right, so who's up next? Frank, yeah, you're up. I'm up. All right, so this one we've talked about before when we did. We talked about the DC animation stuff a little bit. The idea that um, again, you know, big events, you know, happen to derail momentum in comics. And for this one, it's 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 Batman six fifty, which okay. is which is the end of Judd Winnick's run on Batman. I mean, he wrote some more oh. issues later, but for me, it's one of those things where it's not. I mean, granted. Batman obviously hasn't stopped because it's still going. But the idea for this one was like, you know, within the parameters, we talked a little bit about the idea of, you know, having a chance to do one more issue. And they kind of do, but it's not the same because this one is the, um, the title is called, I wanted to tell the title of it's called all they do is watch us kill. Right. And it's mm-hmm. basically the end of it's the climax of under the red hood where it's basically red hood and Batman and Joker in the apartment. Have you seen the animated? Right. And the fact that in the comic, it gets interrupted because of, again, Infinite Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> and and they, Infinite Crisis starts off where they drop uh, Chemo, the, the big chemical soup villain of, of, metal, right. of the Metal Men. They drop him out of a plane on Bloodhaven. Right, right. on Bloodhaven, yeah. Where, where, yeah, where Nightwing usually does his thing. They drop him on Bloodhaven. So horrific. Oh, it's awful. And then, and then that's the. the it's basically the, an atomic bomb. Set right. Off in this yeah. Scene. They basically. Yeah. The villains drop a bomb. The society. The society. Basically, <laughs> you know, the society. Of, the society of supervillains drop this this chemical monster, on uh, um, this bomb. Basically, you know, wiping out Bloodhaven. But the stand. The, the thing about it was, again, you know, it's one of the situations where Judd Winnick has has built this momentum, and the and, and the art the artist on the, the issue is Eric Battle. He, Winnick has built, you know, since he brought back Jason. Todd, you know, spoiler alert, the Red Hood. Um, from the time that he's brought him back, there's been this, you know, this whole thing of what's he going to do? Why is he there? Is he going to help Batman and the rest of the Bat family out? Is he going to be, a, you know, is he going to kill the Joker? What's he going to do? And finally, it comes to a head in 650, and it's a great issue. And then you get to the end, and it's like infinite crisis strikes, and then <laughs> it's not really resolved. It's resolved in the animated, right? Yeah. But it's definitely not resolved. It's not 651. 651, I believe, is a james robinson issue about it starts with a two-face four issue arc okay so yeah so it jumps into the into the one year later stuff right yeah right like right after okay face the face yes oh uh, yeah yeah i remember gotham central i keep forgetting that under the red hood also got got tangled up in the in the infinite crisis stuff yeah it's amazing to me that i still like this event oh i love infinite <laughs> crisis i think it, again <laughs> again as, as we've talked in other episodes it's one of those things where at the time it's a culmination of like five years of dc stuff that finally comes to a head but it's also one of those things of i would have liked 651 to be either an epilogue or something where and i'm sure you know and again like i said when it gets to do it and when he wrote the script for the the animated he gets to yeah. play it out better but and then you know Batman Annual Twenty, I think it's twenty five, is the one that's that that picks up Jason's story and shows where he ends up next. But it doesn't really explain. I mean, it explains like how he gets to where he is next and what are the decisions. But it's more of like a kind of a filling in the blank of where Jason had been before that. And again, that's addressed in the animated. Right. Right. Yeah, that's true. And so, and and this is this is a book I never really read. But so Winnick also jumped on Green Arrow. Yes. And did a run on Green Arrow, and then yep. I remember in solicitations that he was going to have Jason as the red hood pop up, pop up mm-hmm. for some of that for, for, yeah. for a, a sort story arc in there. Right. that I think was going to have Batman as a crossover thing in there. And I never got around to reading that stuff, but it's interesting you bring him up because like it, it was just announced that he's going back to green arrow to do, oh, to it? do a little. Yeah. Yeah. I like, heard like this week. 
Okay. It, it was announced. Yeah. I'd wa- I mean, Winnick's a great writer. I, I've always enjoyed his stuff. I enjoyed his stuff in Green Lantern. I enjoyed his Green Arrow and his Batman stuff was terrific. So he's good. I, I mean, that's a good, that's, I'll be picking up Green Arrow then. Yeah. No, yeah. His Batman stuff doesn't get talked about enough. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with you. Yeah. But no, that, that would be my second choice because I just, it was, to me, it was, it was as much as I like it and, and the build up and stuff, it just, it, that ending is, you know, as much as I love it in the crisis, as much as I love that story arc. I would have liked to have seen another issue to be able to play out that, you know, to play out the, the, you know, even if it's a scene of them at Wayne Manor and all the issues of them talking about what happened, that would be fine. But yeah. the fact that, again, the fact that it's kind of like, yeah, it happened. And then a, you know, a monumental crisis event happened. And now we're not really going to deal with what we did with the Joker and all that stuff. So, right. Oh, well, I'm impressed. You guys are all picking awesome stuff here. So, all right. So Clifton, you have a second one? Yeah, and I think I'm actually going to do my second and third together because they're <laughs> pretty much connected and the reasons are the same behind okay. why we don't have issues. So it's two comic books. They've technically not ended. They've technically not been canceled, but we've not had them in a while and there's no word on if we'll get them again. And it's Afterlife with Archie <laughs> oh, and Chilling good. Adventures yeah. of Sabrina. Yes, that okay. was good. From the exact same creative team of Roberto Aguirre Sacasa and Francesco Francavilla mm. on art Sacasa writing. And they are, they've been MIA for a little while now. I think the reason is because uh, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa is the showrunner on Riverdale. Yeah, because he's kind of busy with some show, right? <laughs> yeah. And Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix and wow. Katie Keene on CW. Wow. So I think he's he's just been kind of busy. And oh, I think man. that has kept him from writing the scripts for these comics for a few years now. He's show running three shows. I didn't know he was doing all three of those. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh my yep. god. Oh, yeah. oh his poor <laughs> his diet must be terrible. he's 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 a guy that that i think doesn't get enough again we're talking about writers that are of that time i mean granted the sabrina stuff and the archie stuff is closer to now it's not so bad right but there at one point at marvel he had marvel the the number four book which is about fantastic four which was him and like i want to say mark morales and i can't remember who the artist was mark morales was doing the inks but it was a great Again, he's really good at character stuff, so it's a really good character. A lot of good character pieces about the Fantastic Four. Okay, yeah, I remember the setup for the for his four series was that they went bankrupt. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so they had to move out of Baxter Building. They didn't I, have all their money behind them for the research. I remember and, like that they, stuff. and and Mister Fantastic had to become a teacher. Is that right? I believe so. Or was there Invisible Woman a teacher? One of them had to become a teacher. Yeah, that was him. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. yeah, that's one of the first things he did in comics, I believe, is was was that four series, and it's really good. It's a really good book that doesn't. When you think about Fantastic Four stuff, nobody ever mentions it. Oh man, no, we'll, we'll mention like, it. We'll mention it here, but I'm saying yeah, in right. general, you know, you hear about. And again, not that I'm, I'm not that I'm knocking, uh, like Kickman or uh, Matt Fraction or any of those people that have done, you know, any of that kind of. Stuff. I don't know if Matt Fraction did Fantastic Four, but Hickman did. But yeah, that I mean, the four book is really good. What I always liked about about Argoia Sacasa was the fact that he just really got character stuff, nailed character stuff really well. So right, and the the afterlife with Archie predates the Riverdale series, mm. but a lot of the portrayals of the characters are similar. Okay, especially Cheryl Blossom. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because okay. I think that's like I think it's afterlife with Archie that really makes her the crazy one, <laughs> and and her brother is alive in afterlife with Archie, where he's he's dead by the beginning of Riverdale, and so their relationship is portrayed creepy in the real time instead of just in flashback or or story like in Riverdale. This was when afterlife with Archie came out. This was a time when like Archie comics was like I couldn't ignore them anymore. It was like right. I just thought like as a company they were really doing some daring stuff. Like who would have thought? that they were going to do like a horror, like right. zombie mm-hmm. Archie issue. And there was also like around the and same it's a, time. It's a when hard they, horror. It's a hard yeah. horror comic book. It's gory <laughs> and yeah. bloody and doesn't hold back. Yeah. At the, and at the same time, they were doing like, like those, what if comics, it was like, what if Archie like married Betty? And then like the next right. one was like, what if Archie married Veronica? And yeah, then there right. was like, like the, he crossed Which were pretty over with, depressing. Yeah. <laughs> He crossed over with the Predator at one point. Like, I just thought they were doing some really cool stuff. But, um, but yeah, Afterlife is is definitely the standout for me. And I never, I never got around to reading Chilling Adventures. But Afterlife with Archie, I'm not going to spoil it or anything. I don't want to say anything about it. But 
uh, th- this is not an ounce of hubris in, in what I'm saying. <laughs> he, he wrote, Sakasa wrote, quite frankly, the most emotional con- like scene in a comic book I've ever read in my entire life. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, I, I have had absolutely the most, like, emotional reaction <laughs> to that book more than anything else I've read in my lifetime of reading comics. Wow. Yeah. Then just a quick summary for people who don't know. It is, basically, there's a zombie outbreak in Riverdale, is the premise <laughs> of Afterlife with Archie. Sounds so good. So it's all the Archie characters you know, like all of them, Jughead, Betty, Veronica, yeah. Cheryl, Archie, everyone, Moose. <laughs> Reggie, they're all it's what happens like with a zombie outbreak, and we're talking like walking dead level of like yes, trauma yes. and gore. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, it's such a great book. I remember Cliff, you put me on it, and when I read it, I couldn't believe it. Just because of the nature of the characters and what they go through, I thought it'd be like comical or you know, jokey jokey. Some <laughs> some something or uh, and, and then every time I refer back to Cliff, I was like they did that? Really? Right. And it kept going. It, it was, it was, yeah, I, but Clifton was, it was right to uh, um, compare it to The Walking Dead. It's like if The Walking Dead came to Riverdale. Yeah. yeah. No, the, the heart is just spilling out of this book. Like, it really is, too. Like, I mean, the, emo- the, the character moments are so awesome in this book. Shelling Adventures of Sabrina, the comic, is different than the show. Uh, there are some similarities. They they have a similar like aesthetic style between the time period in the comic and the and what they portray in the in the show. But the comic is much more like Lovecraftian, like HP Lovecraft style, like Eldred monsters and like unspeakable mm-hmm. evils than the show gets into. And and it's also like a fascinating thing on its own. Very cool. cool. Yeah. Uh that was out of left field. I was not expecting <laughs> Archie on this list, but no, I'm I'm happy you 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 brought it up. Yeah, it's so great that we got. We to might talk get about more it. of both of them, but I would just be happy with one more yeah. of each of them at this point. Yeah, no, I got my fingers crossed that we're going to get more. I really do. I mean, it, and and of of the things on our list, I think that that's probably the best chance of one coming back. <laughs> right. You know. Um, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get my second one done quick. Uh it's a Batman thing, shocker. Mm-hmm. Hey, Zach's bringing up Batman. Um, okay, so I think everybody's familiar with like Long Halloween and Dark Victory, right? By Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Right. Which I love those books. But there's another trade that came out um before that that has a collect well, it has a collection of three stories that they collaborated on for Batman before long Halloween came out. So it's a, it's a trade called haunted night. And basically this was three one shot specials that they did for legends of the dark Knight. And this is where it's going to get confusing. They're all Halloween specials that take place on Halloween. So if, so don't try and get too much into continuity here because it's not going to make any sense. Right. Don't try and think about like where this fits in into Long Halloween and Dark Victory, right? Because between the two of them, they've crafted, I think, six years of Halloween stories in Batman's career. But the reason I like these stories and why I would like one more of these one shots is that they take kind of like little, like lesser used villains. So like the first one is a, is a book called Fear that used the Scarecrow. And the second one was a book called Madness that was maybe one of the best Mad Hatter stories in comics. Mm. Yes, one exists. (laughs) So I I just like, I really, really like these. And I think that it would be cool if we got kind of another one that focused on another, like lesser known bad guy. So I was thinking about like, you know, we, he's not that he's lesser known, but like he doesn't get touched in long Halloween and dark victory much. They don't really use the penguin much, but the other one that I was thinking about was that, in Long Halloween, there's all of this hinting at of Batman and Calendar, Calendar Man having like this long history together. And we never actually see any adventure where he takes on like that Hannibal Lecter version of Calendar Man, you know? Right. So I thought it'd be cool if they got to do an issue that was like one of that stories of Batman trying to bring down that version of Calendar Man, just to sort of like kind of have it like tangentially sort of connected to Dark Victory and Long Halloween if you wanted, but 
doesn't need to be. So that's my Batman story on the list. <laughs> very good. So yeah, I was expecting it. I was very much expecting it. Oh, I'm everybody was. I'm sure of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tommy, you're up. You're you're number one. This was very difficult for me. I know I'm talking about how hard this whole thing was to me, but I had fun doing it regardless of how difficult it was. But I kept coming up with roadblocks. Like, for example, I thought about new gods because um, I came across something that told me that um, I think um, Kirby's original run was very stunted, even though they pulled it like from different directions. They uh, But they revisited the book enough and We've seen enough of his characters get mapped out to an extent in which I don't think we need another book. It'd be nice, but um, there's no way in hell we're not going to get another um, fourth world or new God story by not having a um, additional book. Then I thought about JSA. I loved um, Jeff Johns' run, and mm-hmm. I think they should map out the characters and not put them in an alternate universe, but who knows what the future holds for DC and the members of the JSA, especially with Stargirl having her own show and directly dealing with that. So just hoping that. So I didn't talk to JSA. But then I remembered what Zach gave me years ago. And this is Gargoyle's Bad Guys. Okay. <laughs> um, it was fun. <laughs> it's almost, in a way, a weird part or extra um series or spin-off if you will from gargoyles the animated in which five characters from the show with the exception of one per se are banded together and become a group on their own it's similar to secret six but not as dastardly they almost become heroes as a result of their group right but they're all adversaries of the gargoyles okay it introduces it brings back um hunter um, Yama, Matrix, Dingo, and Fink. Yeah. Now, unless you've seen the show, these names won't mean anything to you. But if you've seen the show, you know exactly who I'm talking about. And it's weird how Weissman plucked these five characters in order to make a um, story just exclusively about them and where they went as a result of crossing the gargoyles and where their future holds. Hmm. I would love to see another issue, if not another whole series, like what he did in the trade yeah. that um, Zach gave me. Very provocative. It shows you how um, much material could be mined from the world universe of goggles without using the goggle, at least the core five group. That's what I would like to see another issue of. Bad Guys um, by Mark, I mean, excuse me, Greg Weissman. Yeah, it's a great book. It really it is. is a great book. I love it. Yeah, no, it's... um. This was, I think we mentioned like in, in our spotlight uh, of Gargoyles episode where like they ha- he had ideas for like spinoffs of the show. And I think this was none of them got made, but this was the bad guys was like sort of the closest I think they got to doing a spinoff of Gargoyles. And um, and I think it kind of comes through reading it that this was this was like something he was really attached to, I think, like he really liked this idea of doing kind kind of a kind of a dirty dozen like <laughs> you know uh bad guy story that that where they are anti-heroes kind of heroes and everything i'm also impressed also that that three of us all had like a bad guy book <laughs> on our list yeah. yeah no but no yeah i think we had we all had a bad guy list on there yeah but no i just found it to be really I, I just completely forgot about it and i looked at it and it it ends again with just a new beginning for these people in mm-hmm. which they could have mined out tremendously, all of which, or to me, are damn near scumbags. <laughs> right. Just how, how it resolves with each of them. But it's just dipping a toe in a whole universe that we never get to see, you know? Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's a great book. I th- pro- most likely out of print at this point. And it, w- and it was like a black and white, like digest size book. Um, but yeah, but track it down if you can. Oh, no, here's the crazy part. I did a random Amazon search for it just to see if we come up, they're selling it like for upwards of 200 bucks on yeah. Amazon. Are they really? I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't doubt it. Wow. Which is insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's out of print, but I know it was that hard to come by as far as uh, uh, the, the direct demand for people wanting to read this particular book. 
So if you can't get it, I, I look for it digitally. If you can't get it on, if you don't have three hundred dollars to spare for, right? <laughs> this Weissman, yeah. this Weissman gym. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's terrific. I love it. Yeah. All right, Frank. What's what's your number one? All right. So for me, it was it was it was odd because you know it's one of the things where the it's technically the issue. The, it's a it's a canceled series that technically the next issue did come out. It just took almost. It took over about 40 years or more for it to come out. (laughs) Okay. I can't wait to hear what this is. All right. So (laughs) the Joker series from the seventies, right? It goes from issue one to issue nine, right? And issue nine came out on, let me see here. I have it written down. It came out on June 14th, 1976. That's when it hit news or hit the spinner rack was in in 76. Okay. (laughs) So it was a great year. (laughs) Right. So, so Bicentennial. So, um, (laughs) They, the issue is like the cover. It's got, it's got, it's an issue with Catwoman and the Joker, and that's what the whole thing is about. Is you know, it's a cat themed crime. Blah 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 blah. Anyway, the end of it teases that coming up in issue ten, it's going to be a three starting of a three parter of the Joker basically taking on the Justice League, right? Mm-hmm. So ten is never released, and then within the last year, they put out the Bronze Age Joker omnibus, which they print. Issue 10. Now, issue 10 is the Joker is going to be lobotomized at Arkham Asylum. He, he gets a visit from uh, a Lewis Cipher. Uh, oh, you know, okay. if, you, if you know your, you know, if you know your Lewis Cipher or your Lou Cipher or Louis Cipher. It's Lou Cipher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, a, you know, it's a devil, right? Or it's a demon. And oddly enough, in this story, this demon or this devil looks like Elton John from the 70s. I don't know why. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> but okay. he does and he basically makes a deal with makes a deal with the joker like i'll get you out of here you know so anyway it's it's I, i've got to read it they had it released you know they released it on comiXology it's in this omnibus i didn't pick up the omnibus omnibus yet um i'm not a big fan of omnibus this is or i'm to buy because they're just unwieldy but i wanted <laughs> to read this issue so i read it on comiXology and it's you know the i mean granted it's a book about the joker we've talked about this this comic before and how odd it is the fact that you know dc took a chance on this homicidal villain as the main character in this book but this whole issue is all is basically the joker it's it, he just kills members of the justice league for for the 22 pages he's in and some of it's wow. really and some of it especially for 76 is pretty like you know for the time it would have come out is pretty like some of the deaths are pretty like intense right. so it's one of those things where I was amazed, like they would try, they, they would have gotten away with doing what they did because I don't want, again, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but like I said, they're pretty intense, you know, gruesome deaths. And then the thing about it is, well, there's supposed to be two more issues. There's supposed to be an 11, 12. So I'm technically bending the rules a bit because I got my 10 and now I want 11 and 12. And I don't know if he has even scripts for them because Marty Pasco is the one that wrote the issues. He wrote pretty much the entire series, I believe. And then he just recently passed away. So I don't know if there's any plans to like try and see about getting 11, 12, but I highly recommend reading the issue, issue 10 itself. If you haven't read any of the other Joker stuff, you don't really have to, but it's a, it's an amazing issue for something that took 40 years to come out. Huh? Okay. This sounds like you made up the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Like, no, I, this doesn't no, I sound know. real. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's the issues called what's the issue. It's 99 and 99, 99, Tens of a hundred percent dead is what it's called. It's him, <laughs> and it's literally like I said, the Joker basically kills. Let me see. It's Wonder Woman, Flash, uh, Green Arrow, and Black Canary. Those are the, the those are his first victims in this one. This first parter. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's a that blows me away that in seventy six that they wrote that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, some of it. I mean, some of it reminded me of like when we've seen you know when we've seen character deaths and stuff. It was just like it was. It reminded me of. Um, it reminded me of some of the stuff that was in, and if you have never read it, I highly recommend this too. It's um, when Jeff Loeb was doing Superman, Batman, in this in the story arc with the Carlos Pacheco stuff about um, the Legion of Supervillains coming back and altering their origins. Mm. There's some really like intense deaths in that as well, and it's it's along those lines. But this was '76, so it's not like it was something more recent. Oh, but I love that storyline too in Batman Superman. Oh. I wish yeah, they animate yeah, that. Yeah. One. It was that dark? Yeah, it's that dark. <laughs> so, yeah, Gosh. it's pretty it's pretty dark. Some of the some of the Just League members die in horrific ways. So, it's one of the, again, for 76 I was really surprised, but yeah, it took like I said 76 to just last year it took for it to come out. 
And then I've heard nothing since then about if they intend to like at least, you know, put up scripts or, you know, someone else is going to draw from the scripts that he did or if he even completed the next two issues. I don't even know. Okay. All right. Wow. Okay. So my number one, I, I, I might need a spotter here from Clifton uh, a little bit. Uh, Frank, maybe you can help spot a little bit on this one too. So I pick uh, the Dreamwave Transformers ongoing. Okay. okay. <laughs> right? I positively loved this series and what this company was doing with Transformers. So I'm going to go back really quick to, to it, it started as a mini series that like kind of brought like Transformers like back in the comics, which they had been absent for years and years and years and years and years. So that's, so this is about like, I'm, I'm thinking like 2002 was when the first one came out. Give Sounds or take, right. right? The second one was a book called War and Peace. So this is one, if you ever find it of a con, please pick it up. I'm telling you, it's awesome. And I don't think it like it's not in print anywhere. So, but basically <laughs> that opens up with like the Autobots and the Decepticons are like fighting like in some in the snow mountains of, you know, in, in the American um, you know, uh, uh North, Northwest. Northwest back there. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. Uh and then so they're in the middle of the fight, and then basically a ship lands and swarms of both Autobots and Decepticons come out. So it's like Ultra Magnus and some of the other like seekers and stuff like that. And then Shockwave comes out and basically says, Hey, while you guys were all here on earth fighting, like basically I unified Cybertron and the war's <laughs> over. And all okay. of you guys here on earth are being arrested for war crimes. Oh, wow. Right. And that's, <laughs> and that's sort of like that mini series that takes place. So this is so like, if you were ever a Transformers fan and you got annoyed when the human showed up, read this mini series because there's not a person anywhere in this book. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but out of this awesome mini series, like they started doing like an ongoing, right. And this was written by a writer named Brad Mick who changed like midway through and started using his real name, which I think is like James mcdonough i think i'm hoping i'm pronouncing that correctly so the ongoing went for 10 issues technically 11 because there was an issue zero and the issue zero is like really important here because it was kind it was sort of a guidebook a little bit and it kind of gave you an inkling of like which way the wind was going to be blowing in the ongoing so like he's doing a lot of setup stuff for like where was megatron during the miniseries and kind of does a lot of groundwork for for what he was setting up. The first arc in the ongoing was not my favorite. It was a Sunstorm arc, but the second one was was like a reimagining of the Insecticons and was done as sort of like a zombie movie. Okay. Which I thought was <laughs> awesome. So I want like an 80-page giant <laughs> for this, just to wrap up everything. Um <laughs> I don't quite know, like, so, so Clifton, this is why I wanted to bring you in on this, right? Because Dreamwave, right. you know, ha had some self-inflicted wounds. Right. <laughs> I'll say. Uh, like, I'm not going not gonna to go into details. I'll just say, like, there's been a lot of allegations okay. about Dreamwave's business practices mm. from creators that they hired. Yes. Okay. And that's, that's pretty much all you need to know. Right. <laughs> So, but there is some, like, I don't quite know what happened to the rights of, of like who got the rights for this. Cause now to the I, transformers books that they created. Right. 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 So that's specifically stuff, just those titles. Cause IEW is currently doing currently has the transformers license. And I think there was an attempt to maybe reprint the ongoing that they had done and actually put it in trade. Cause that stuff was never traded. But then I think that there was, you know, as is with comics, sometimes like this weird dispute like rights dispute issue and everything. So this stuff didn't get traded. Only the mini series got traded, um, but it's awesome. It's awesome. I saw it actually at, at a convention last year and I own this stuff and I almost rebought it. <laughs> <laughs> like I like it so much. So that's my number one. So, so, okay. So really quick. So to, to, to wrap up, let's just, so, so we did, what do we want for one issue more? So let's just take it a step further. So of, Everything that we mentioned, what do you think has the potential for actually like another series? Like what deserves another go around as a series versus a versus an issue? And I throw it up to whoever wants to start off. 
I think Planetary is probably the best. Oh, Planetary. Yeah, I think Planetary is the best choice of actually getting another series. Okay. Yeah. The exploits of Elijah Snow. I can't wait for that. Yeah, I think that would be the best one. I mean, I think that would be the best choice. Okay. But I don't know. Archie, um, <laughs> Afterlife. <laughs> That's my pick. That's my pick. That's what I say. I say I want Afterlife with Archie. I want more of that. I think we would yeah. definitely get that before we get Planetary. No, we'll <laughs> definitely get that. I'd argue to say we can see that in Riverdale. Jeez. Right. Cliff, did you got one? I, was just, I think a lot of them are still open for, you know, they still have ground that they can cover. A lot of superior foes, Gotham Central, Planetary. Yeah. I think they, I think they all still got traction. Yeah. If somebody wanted to do them. Gotham Central is still the one that I'm, I'm still shocked at this point. Like to date, there's not been any, any return to it. Like that blows me away. I also, I, I bet me too, but I also think that it's one of those things where I, I wouldn't want to see it without, you know, Brew Baker and, um, Rucka. Thank you. Rucka. I would, without mm-hmm. the two of them, I wouldn't want to read it. But my other thing about it, the other thing is, I, I, you know, as much as I want those issues of the Joker, I'm amazed that there isn't an ongoing Joker series. Right. With especially his, right now. Especially right now. As popular as the character is, like, yeah. his popularity has never really, I, I know, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm but saying, he's, right. he's, indi- he's undisputably popular. Right, yeah. exactly. Right we can't dispute that. Whether we want it or <laughs> we don't want it, I'm just saying, I'm surprised they haven't attempted it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but it's it, the way DC's going at what their interpretation of the Joker is now. I say hold your breath. You, you won't you won't get blue before you'll see a a, a regular publication yeah. of the Joker just because of how many different interpretations we're getting of it and how much he's replaced Darkseid as the big bad now. Yeah, yeah. Just well, saying. I, I think he predates Darkseid as the big bad also. I th- I think Darkseid as the as the big bad guy is yeah. relatively recent. No, not so much <laughs> that of who he is, just more along the lines of his omnipresent threat across right. the world as opposed to just scaring Gotham citizens. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean it's supposedly from what I've heard, I think Jeff Loeb is going back to writing again. So I mean I I would not be surprised if he and Sale did not team up again for something. I don't know if it's Batman, but you know they may team up for something again because I mean it's, they're they're too good together. I think. Yeah. So. Anyway, all right. So tell us in the comments which comic book you would bring back for one more issue. And while you're there, if there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, go ahead and leave a suggestion, and we just might use it on the air. Uh, you'll also find notes and links as well as all of our past episodes on Let Me Know How It Is dot com. You can also find a link to our YouTube channel. We'd appreciate it if you would subscribe there as well. Uh, and finally, don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash let me know how it is and follow us on Twitter at our show's initials, L-M-K-H-I-I. Thanks for listening and we will see you next time. <laughs>